This is the Dreadful Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're back with Penny Dreadful, Season 3, Episode 5, The World is Our Hell. Welcome back, fellow Betty Faithful. We're talking about Season 3, Episode 5, The World is Our Hell. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Darklings. I am one of your other hosts, John. world is kind of hell at the moment, as we said earlier. It really is, yeah. <laughs> the world is going to hell uh, with lockdown in full swing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we've already talked about that, so we're not going to dwell on it. We're going to just talk straight in about this episode of Penny Dreadful Season 3, Episode 5, This World is Our Hell, was directed by Paco Cabezas. This is his first episode of Penny Dreadful, but he directs three of the final four episodes of Penny Dreadful, and he is directing Episode 1 of Penny Dreadful, City of Angels. Ah, very good. Yes, entitled Santa Muerte. As we discover some very interesting Mexican mythology coming up in uh, that series of Penny Dreadful. Looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. And it's time. This episode was written by Andrew Hinderaker, not by John Logan. Wow. <laughs> yes. Uh, he has been a staff writer on all of this season, uh, but this is the first time another, another writer has gotten a credit for this, ep- for this show. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a really good episode, this one. Uh, I really loved it. So um, fair plays. And to be honest, if you're a staff writer with John Logan, a bit of that Loganism is bound to rub off on you as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, Andrew's currently working on a science fiction series called Away, about an American astronaut about to leave Earth for a dangerous mission with an international crew. So very different to his experience running off to uh, the wild, wild west in this episode. But maybe it, it merges a little bit of horror into um, the science fiction there. I Dare I say it, um, leaving Earth for a dangerous mission with an international crew? What could possibly go wrong with that? (laughs) I'm sure it's absolutely grand. (laughs) John, do you want to give us the synopsis for this episode? Sure. Ethan and Hecate, Sir Malcolm and Kaetne, and Inspector Rusk and the Rangers all continue the trek across the Western landscape. Frankenstein and Jekyll, meanwhile in London, test their modified serum on their subject with miraculous results. Hecate encourages Ethan to embrace his dark side. They also reveal secrets to one another, bringing them closer. With Ethan's agreement, she summons rattlesnakes to kill the rangers. Mm-hmm. Rusk and Osto survive, although Kaetne is bitten. Ethan appears to accept his darkness more and more and makes love to Hecate. In the desert, Ethan's horse collapses, then later Hecate's, forcing them to continue on foot. Hecate later collapses from the heat and is barely alive when Sir Malcolm arrives with Kaetne, also barely alive. Sir Malcolm attempts to murder Hecate, but Ethan won't allow it. Riders, summoned by Ethan's father, Jared Talbot, arrive and take them to his estate, leaving Kaetne to die at the request of Ethan. Sir Malcolm is unhappy with this, but Jared Talbot requests Sir Malcolm's assistance in dealing with Ethan. He shows Ethan the room where their family died at the hands of Native Americans, saying that he will pay for his hand in it, aiming his pistol at him and demanding he repent. 
then and there on pain of death and damnation. Who finally, from episode one of season one, we never knew what was happening with Ethan, why he was on the run, what was going on with him. And this episode gives us all of those stories all wrapped up in one episode. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what a great episode this mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And interestingly, it's only one of two episodes of the entire show that don't feature Vanessa Ives. Yes. Interesting, isn't it? They have uh, an episode. Maybe that's the reason why uh, John Logan wasn't writing the episode. He was like, okay, you can have this episode, but you're not having Vanessa. <laughs> maybe that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe not. Maybe not. But uh, but a really fascinating final um discussion, I suppose, about the history of Ethan that yeah. we get in here. And I know that that kind of features in our major points. John, what's your big moment from this episode? Dare I say it, it's almost two big moments. Um, mm-hmm. I'm starting with a quote, not too different, you and I. Yes, Hecate and Ethan grow closer together um, as Ethan embraces uh, his dark side. Mm. Um, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed um, this because something I actually wasn't really expecting of Ethan, certainly because of his chivalry to, with Vanessa mm-hmm. and certainly felt like he was embracing that. But Hecate has been tempting him since season two, that great moment where she comes into his room and then leaves through the mirror Mm -hmm. to give um, or to offer him uh, to stand by his side. Uh, And effectively, rather than being the lupus day, I suppose being the lupus Diablo. Um, And so I I think this is a really uh, great moment here. Uh, I, I think what I really liked here was, you know, Hecate saying, like Ethan, you know, she didn't get to choose the master that she serves. Her mother, Miss Poole, or Madame Carly, enlisted her at five, and she describes how Lucifer raked his claws across her body. Mm. And I, I thought this was um, a, a really kind of nice um, reflection of Ethan also, um, you know, talking about how he, he um, came to atone for this killing of uh, Native Americans and um, he, he talks about this attack on, on, on a, a tribe and his his commanding officer uh, in, in the US Army who he ultimately kills because he's brought this boy and dumps the the body to to poison the water and mm-hmm. to further kill um, the the Native Americans and so he kills his commanding officer after this slaughter. Um, and uh, w- we get this really um, great moment. And this is one of the big things I really uh, loved. Um, it, uh, dare I say it, loving the law. Um, I, I really enjoyed how this story that Ethan describes is also told um, simultaneously by Kaetni to Samalcom. Yeah. Uh, and they move between um, the, the two tellings of this, how Ethan... Uh, really came to Kaetni and his tribe to atone. He wanted to be killed, to be scalped, and to die uh, for killing his people. But as Kaetni says, I thought it would be better to keep him alive and to fight uh, with us. Um, and um, it's it's just lovely how uh, they move from Ethan to Kaetni as this story uh, unfolds mm-hmm. and how Ethan fought with the Apaches so much. He almost reveled in it because he took to it to redeem himself. And they, they talk that it's actually, I, I found it quite poignant where Kaetni says, you know, they sent 5,000 soldiers to hunt down 39 free Apaches. Yeah. You know, as 10 were killed, a hundred would take uh, their, their place. But as, um, 
as the Apaches were killed off, then you know ultimately their warfare became more brutal, more more um, cruel, mm-hmm. um, and. He, he talks how Ethan did unspeakable, uh, things. And again, it flips back to Hecate where God watched this unfold and laugh. And again, it, it, she's trying to attract Ethan to her. Um, and, uh, you really get this moment then again where you have this simultaneous attack on the marshal's camp, uh, in the dark where both Kaetney and Sir Malcolm are going in to, to kill the rangers and, and release the horses. But um for for Ethan, he this is the moment where he is um I suppose he goes, I'm done trying to be good um and, and asks her to call forth the 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 rattlesnakes, but she needs his blood. That is the thing that has um the power and she she as she's incanting um which is really nicely done how she's moving her hands through the sand and she goes my master makes beautiful music um as you see these um snakes coming through underneath the sand and popping up uh to then uh bite and attack the Mm -hmm. marshal's camp as and Kaetney's there ready to this great little moment where he sees the snakes coming up um, and as the snake comes up to bite effectively him, he slits the throat of the ranger and takes the, the head off the snake. Yeah. Uh, what a cool shot that was. Uh, really, really liked it. Yeah, it was really, really good. Really dynamic shot. Really yeah. I, I just loved it moving between Ethan and Ketney. There's obviously mm-hmm. a history there. There's, there's this idea that Ketney is also his father or one of his fathers certainly Um, a creator of who ethan became exactly and um it's just really really nicely done i I thought i really enjoyed moving between ketney samalcom ethan and hecate as ethan descends and, and, and is taken in more and more by hecate where he kind of gives up and releases himself to his his darker uh inner feelings yeah uh, which you know in terms of his time in the U.S. Army, he has had many. Uh, it's almost, you could say, um, being in London with Vanessa was the aberration here for, for Ethan Chandler. Yeah, you know, he, he um, massacred Native Americans. Mm-hmm. He then massacred uh, U.S. Army soldiers with the Apaches in yeah. revenge. Um, and yeah, you, you get the sense that the Apaches, having been sort of waffled down uh, to 39 uh, as um, as Kertney says yeah. just for pure survival became crueler more brutal and mm-hmm. this was also certainly something that Ethan did so it's it, I, I found this really really good um, and I, I like kind of where you effect- effectively get naughty rumpy pumpy in the cave between Hecate and, and <laughs> Ethan where there's a bit of, uh, dare I say it, devil worshipping with uh, the two as they make love. But uh-huh. it comes from having this story of the first Apache uh, that is um, drawn in cave paintings where they're kind of uh, hanging out. And that I, was really cool. It was yeah. really um, nicely done i i really like that and again it cuts back to Kaetney talking about his vision uh, of darkness in the streets of london mm. uh, where it's there's the creatures of the the night are roaming and you have he sees his son who he must save and mm-hmm. uh, that's why he's 
effectively uh, with Samalcom is this idea of saving uh, Ethan because all the world will turn dark and the creatures of the night will will come upon the earth. Yeah. Um, at the same time where you've got Ethan um, saying the great coyote opens the bag uh, filled with darkness and the creatures of the night all sort of release and but are fought off by this boy called Apache uh, who wins back the day. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's this really nice moment um, that it was the beginning um, of the day, the new dawn, or is it the end of the darkness? And mm. it depends on which side you're on. Um, and I think Hecate says this quite nicely with, are you the savior that banishes the night or the wolf that loves it? Mm -hmm. um, and this is really where Ethan has to make that choice. And you, you really get the sense here that he's descending into the latter, that he will be the wolf that loves the night. And he seems certainly intent on killing his father um, and, and laying waste to all his fathers, probably both Kertney and Jared Talbot, mm -hmm. um, less so with Sir Malcolm. Um, I, true, yeah. I do like that moment where they meet um, after the horses uh -huh. um, have have uh, died and Hecate's on her last legs and he's kind of like, what the hell are you doing yeah, here? I think that's like a that, really yeah. nice moment. Yeah. <laughs> that's really good. I love that Sir Malcolm's kind of, well, always have to expect that I'm going to turn up anywhere, you know? Uh, really interesting. But the juxtaposition between this episode and last episode and this rewatch was so apparent um, where you had last episode, where you had um, the temptation of Vanessa from these two demons saying that they want her soul and her body and she saying to them well I have a choice and my choice is the is the light side whereas this time you have the temptation of Hecate to Ethan and him going well actually I've always been the darkness and I'm going to take that as my choice and join up yeah. side by side with you and it, it's very strong within the episode there's certainly moments where it's not truly a choice to be dark with Ethan because you can absolutely tell that his soul is still torn apart inside. There's some wonderful acting in this uh, in this episode from Josh Hartner where the, the moment that I'm going to talk about, of course, um, where Ethan is torn up inside, but he's made his choice now and he's going to follow it through even if he knows it's probably the wrong decision. Um, you can really see that playing in, in him. Uh, even when he leaves Kretney behind to die, um, you can see him saying, leave him here to die, but you know that he's torn up inside, that it may not be the greatest thing that he's doing right now, but he's going to the dark side. Um, yeah, well, he says, don't waste a bullet on him. Um, yeah. Just let him burn. Um, and you wonder whether that's a choice. You wonder whether he's kind of saying... As you know, the audience are kind of going, well, Ethan's the good guy. He's not going to let Ketney die. So maybe he's telling them to leave him alone and not kill him because he thinks Ketney can get out of the situation. Yeah. But um, it's one of those ones where even I'm not sure after watching the episode multiple times, I'm still not sure whether he was definitely intending for Ketney to die or whether he thinks Ketney will come back. Um, and this is the only way to, to leave him behind without killing him gives him a chance to live. I yeah, suppose. because they are more than willing to shoot a Native American mm -hmm. or an Apache um, as they've done multiple yeah, times. Before, I think yeah. as well, you know, he 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 stops Sir Malcolm from killing Hecate as well. Mal Sir Malcolm's very, uh, he's got his um, his gun, mm -hmm. he's got his semi-automatic, and he's more than willing to put a few uh, bullets into Hecate. Yeah, and uh, but he's stopped by 
by Ethan. So it really feels like Ethan has now come with uh, Hecate in more ways than one, Certainly. dare I say it. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, yeah, just really, um, I, I, I really liked how um, all these different storylines mm-hmm. intermingled uh, in this episode yeah. uh, as well. And one other thing I liked uh, in those scenes the with the attack of the snakes on, um, on the camp of, of uh, Inspector Rusk, I guess he's still Inspector Rusk now. Does he have another title? I can't remember. <laughs> Does he have another? Is he Marshal Rusk now or something like no, that? No, he's Inspector Rusk. Inspector Rusk. Rusk yeah. still. Um, but I, I liked his reaction to the attack, which is basically, yeah. well, that's it. There's no bringing this guy back now. I'm going to go over and I will shoot Ethan in the back and butcher him and all of his kind now for what he's done, what he's made me go through to chase him down. I think that's a really interesting change for the character of Russ because he was such um, an interesting character throughout season two. He was the investigator. He absolutely would follow all the leads to their nth point. He was a very patient type of person, but that's it. He's done now. Yeah, I, I think so. I think uh, that revengeful Rusk where he says, you know, I disavow any former code that I have is really good. You know, he he's lost his deputy mm-hmm. and uh, he was shot by Samalcom. Um, so because Samalcom is releasing the horses and the deputy sees him and it gets shot by Samalcom ultimately. Um, so it, it's really, um, yeah, th- this revengeful Inspector Rusk, I, I think, is really uh, great to, to see. I think the other thing I really like um, with Ethan and Hecate, you know, where she's saying, I want to rule the darkness uh, at your side to liberate you and your demonry, your shame, your guilt, um, embrace your sins to free uh, yourself from your guilt. Um, and Ethan talks about washing his his hands, that idea of washing mm. your sin away because of the blood from this um, massacre of the Apaches that he's done. Um, and what I, I think this connects in quite nicely is back in London with uh, Victor and, and Dr. Jekyll, where they're working on improving this serum effectively to wash away the sins of the subject that they're using, but ultimately Lily. Yeah. Um, it's just washing away the sin either by science through Dr. Jekyll's serum or and the improved serum, uh, or by this this superstition of, of whether you believe in God and, and you wash your sins away through forgiveness or washing away your sins by effectively embracing them to free you from any guilt yeah. that you may have. So I thought that was a quite a nice little connection. That's really good, yeah. That's really interesting. And again, the offer from Hecate to Ethan to give up his forgiving God. I love I love her reaction to him kind of going, you think he's forgiving. Do you feel forgiven? Do you feel that, you know, all yeah. of the things, all the sins you've committed are actually forgiven by anybody or do you want to just accept them and go to the darkness that you know is there? I think it's a, a really interesting proposition from her because it, it is, again, similar even though she feels she's separated from Lucifer, it is similar to the type of offer that Lucifer made to uh, to Vanessa in the past as well. But I'm going to just move it on to my big moment from the episode, if you're... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I just think the scene in the chapel at, at the uh, the Talbot estate, I guess you're going to call it, um, with Jared Talbot, uh, the, the new character that we haven't seen before, played by Brian Cox, um, it shows you why Brian Cox, I think, is such a revered actor in, in this scene where he brings Ethan into the chapel and tells him how his brother first was killed and then his uh, his sister had her tongue cut out and her eye her eyes cut out and then left to wander in the uh, in the desert um his mother was killed 
and all because Ethan didn't raise a hand to stop the Apaches from doing what they did. Um, Ethan tells the story that he led them there because they needed supplies, they needed uh, they needed everything, and Ethan had the plans for the house in order to get all of this stuff from his very rich and very wealthy father and his past. But it sounds like he went in, to, got the horses and just stayed there and let the Apaches do whatever they wanted to do. He didn't stand in their way. So that's where the blame is coming from, from uh, from Jared here. But it's a wonderfully played scene between the two, oh, definitely. The two of them. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on, you can fe- really feel it ripping into Ethan's heart when he's being told to accept it, acknowledge it, repent for it, or wallow in death and damnation for the, for eternity, effectively. So another time of ripping the soul of Ethan really um I just think it's a fabulous scene between the two of them and, and Brian Cox just plays it so well yeah definitely um like it, he he delivers that line you brought the devil to my door and gave him the keys mm-hmm. and he delivers it in a way that is quite frankly just uh, amazing yeah. and and the great thing here is you you know, you are expecting Ethan to go um, effectively batshit crazy on him. You are <laughs> expecting him to go dark, and even with the gun pointed at him, uh, as Jared is walking him through um, the the scene of how his brother Paul was slaughtered, how his sister suffered, yeah. um, you know, having a, her tongue and her eyes cut out so that she was mute and blind, uh, and ultimately then... Uh, with the death of and murder of uh, his, his his mother yeah. as well, all of them killed at the hands of the Apache that he led here in order to get supplies. And I suppose they saw this as another chance mm-hmm. to um, survive. And this was someone who would have had no qualms at killing Apaches. You know, yeah. they ha- they had no idea of land ownership in in the same sense that. Um, he would have done so for him they were always these trespassers on his land mm-hmm. not that he had even taken theirs this idea of as well seeing them as savage compared to their christio uh, western religion mm-hmm. um, and yet you know the brutality is is still there with them and i i thought this was um really just so so well done yeah i also really loved the scenes between uh Jared Talbot and Sir Malcolm Murray, because mm. it was that idea of um, looking at one another. It was a mirror of themselves. Um, in a sense, Sir Malcolm has changed, I think, um, probably from his, um, at maybe his last um, expedition in Africa, certainly by having Sam Bene there. I think the, there are certain elements where he has moved on from that colonial exploitation of empire, even though he was a part of that, but mm-hmm. he, he's seen what that, what that has done and he recognizes in Jared what he used to be yeah. and feels that he can change him. And Jared just puts that history back on him to say, have you done anything differently? You know, ask the tribes in Africa and mm-hmm. um, how benevolent and caring you are to them. So I, I thought that was, I thought those exchanges were really superb as yeah. well. Cause they are very similar characters. You know, that's, that's part of the reason I suppose why that uh, relationship developed between Ethan and Malcolm the way it has, because, um, Malcolm saying that he can see 
the experience that uh, that Jared's gone through in the experiences he went through with his own children and as you say telling him to put it all aside because you can never mend that relationship with your son unless you try effectively so it is interesting that it's thrown back in his face by Jared before this final conf- confrontation between the two of them and at the end of this episode but it is a wonderful episode and, and again going through this rewatch of the series from episode one all we had was this guy was a gunslinger on the run from America, effectively taken on as a hired gun by Malcolm and, and the team and brought into this world. And now in the third season, we're finally getting an explanation for who he really is underneath it all. And it's dark and dirty. Like it's, yeah. it's he's not running away as a survivor of an attack or something like that. He's the one that didn't lift a finger to stop the murder of his family. Yeah, exactly. And he also murdered his former compatriots. And previously to that, he murdered the Apaches at the request of the U.S. Army. Dirty, dark past that we probably didn't expect the first time we watched the show. I don't think we expected it to be this bad, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing as well is with Jared Talbot, he says, I've left everything the way that it, it was on that night, you mm. know, with the exception of the bodies. But yeah. the chapel, the, the family chapel, you know, is bloodstained. Yeah. Uh, the the pews are are messed up. They're, they're strewn around the, the chapel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is. It, it's all in this moonlight as well, which gives it a really atmospheric uh, moment. I... I did think that was it a full moon and were we going to see Ethan change oh, yeah. to extract his revenge on his father, uh, you know, embrace what Hecate has been saying uh, at, by turning into the wolf and, and attacking him. So mm-hmm. I, I thought this was um, really, really superb. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was my one note at the end of the episode. So why we do get the history of Ethan and where, why he was on the run, I suppose. We still don't get the reason why he's a werewolf we don't get his creation or uh what it was that has led him to be a werewolf maybe that's coming up in the last four episodes of the season um but what made him the lupus day when is that point that he changed into the werewolf uh we haven't got that yet so i'm looking forward to that little bit of mythology to tie up his storyline definitely any notes at the end of this episode, John? Um, just the the little whiskey reference, the nice little moment between Jared and um, Samalcom before mm-hmm. their great verbal standoff, uh, where he hands him a uh, an American bourbon uh, by William Larue Weller, and mm-hmm. um, where he has is using wheat instead of rye in the mash, yes. uh, and that is why he is a pioneer. He switched up the the American bourbon industry uh, mm-hmm. in in one foul swoop. Um, and Smalcom seems to really quite enjoy it. Um, so Jared does promise him that he will be sent back to to England with a case. There'll be no drinking of that Scottish muck that he says, which I'm <laughs> sure for Brian Cox as a Scotsman, he must have realised the, the little in-joke that was being done by the writers there Absolutely. to get him to say that. Uh, he <laughs> must have Scottish. That's a really yeah, good he must have been He must have been cursing uh, them and hoping to set Lupus Day onto those writers. <laughs> uh, and uh, the uh, that was exactly the same note that I had just because we've done so whiskey watch so often over the over the years of the podcast it's still in existence today that the it's WL Weller is is what it's called the, the bourbon type but it's still in existence today and apparently still quite a revered uh, bourbon 
Yeah, very good. Yeah, there you go. But that's it. That's all the notes I had for the episode as well. I, I wanted to just mention, obviously, about uh, Dr. Frankenstein and Dr. Jekyll uh, working on the serum, but you already mentioned that earlier on as well. So um, it, it's interesting that most of this episode takes place in the West, in, in America. There's not much taking place in, in London, um, which is probably the first time that we've had such a small amount. And it feels like with Jekyll and uh, Frankenstein's story, the scene that's there could actually have been placed in any of the other episodes. It doesn't feel like it necessarily needed to be in here, but it's really good that you pulled out the connection between the two of of cleansing the sins well, that they've created. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think the other little connection with it is um, you, you have that, that moment where Victor does say to Dr. Jekyll, it's our memories that make us monsters. And it is the idea that in then these stories being told by Ethan... It's their memories and recollections of times gone by, uh, and this is what has hardened them into this this monster mm-hmm. um, of Ethan, as well as for uh, Kaetne in terms of surviving um, the persecution by the U.S. government and and the army. Uh, and I I think that is um, you know really really another interesting sort of connection yeah. here that the the writers are pulling between London and uh, dare I say it, the the Wild West mm-hmm. absolutely really interesting stuff that's it for our discussion about Penny Dreadful season three episode five this world is our hell we'll be back next time with our discussion about season three episode six no beast so fierce roar there's <laughs> a better roar the second time Thank you.